Welcome to the Fat AZ Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. Once again, Vance, he's out on vacation, so uh, it's just me going solo in the Ranger. I'm joined by uh, Todd Young, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides. Uh, like Muddy Creek Fishing Guides on Facebook, muddycreekfishandguides.com if you want to book a trip if you're in the uh, eastern part of the country. Uh, we're also brought to you by Fat AZ Muskie Products. Check us out, fatazmuskie.com, Fat AZ Muskie uh, on Facebook, and uh, we have a uh, another phone in. This, this guy, kind of a quick crazy story here. Um, he ordered a, a Raptor a couple months ago for me, a real basic color. I hadn't got to it. Anyways, I got it done. I sent him an email. He says he just happens to be in my hometown. Uh, he came and picked it up. I think it was Sunday night, and. He ended up staying for like four hours, and we just sat here and talked. So I said, well, you want to come on the podcast because you can talk. So uh, I don't even know your last name. I just know you as Steve. So, Steve, introduce yourself. Well, first of all, I want to thank you guys for again having me on. And, you know, after our discussion that night, Andy, you uh, mentioned you had this podcast. I really wasn't aware of it. So, you know, in listening to it, I do want to say you guys got a really good thing going, and I do appreciate the opportunity of um, participating on this one. And, and my name is Steve Sawyer, and as you mentioned, I, I have a passion for fishing. Mm-hmm. And I'll just give a quick, quick uh, evolution of that passion, which might resonate with a lot of publicity. You know, I'm the kind of fisherman that started, you know, as a kid. My dad really never fish, so it was the old Zepto 33, Bob or Worm kind of deal with my uncle's farm farm. And um, I guess the, the evolution from just something to do once or twice a summer into a passion kind of evolved when, when my parents got a modest little cottage on the lake. And I was around when I was 12 years old. That year, my birthday, I got a uh, spinning rod and reel. And again, we'd go up every weekend. And I just would throw the old worm out and bobber out until one day, there was a kid fishing like a two-inch rubber lure. He's pounding the crack. And I went over to him and I said, what are you, what are you using? And he shows me this lure. And it kind of blew my mind that you can catch a fish on something fake. So I raced up to the bait star and got a couple of these little rubber fish and started catching crappy on the fish. They're cutting uh, crappy on this little lure. And it just, you know, kind of the, the obsession evolved and into the artificials. And I kind of transitioned into bass, you know, a little more challenge. And my bassing kind of grew with the rubber worms. I kind of expanded. And then the obsession with the musky came when there was a little marina at the south end of this lake. And behind the counter was a 54-inch musky that the guy told me was caught out of this lake back in, like, the 40s. And, you know, I'm like an early teens kid. And this, this fish has been restored two or three times. Being a natural colors of musk, it was like pink, you know? Mm-hmm. But, but the lure of the fish grew in my mind, and that fish is in this So I ended up buying like a, a legend. I was like, those 14 inch legends, thinking, you know, big, I gotta go big. And I had a, a saltwater pins reel, one to one ratio that's like not controlling, and this saltwater pure rod. Well, obviously, I couldn't cast the legend, so I got a couple other lures. And I didn't know nothing, you know, and you talk about your kind of self taught. Well, that's kind of my evolution. It's more of the, the discovery. And back in the day, there wasn't a ton of musky information. There was no internet like it is today. And this is late 80s. You know, and the one thing I had was the Inner Fisherman Greatest Musky Video Ever Made. 
and I wore that thing out. I was, you know, I obsessively watched it, so I left my mind and all. And so, you know, I suckered my dad into taking me out on this, like, fiberglass trial hall with the old Flash, which you guys talked about the last podcast, you know. And I didn't know what I was doing. I, I you know, okay. Al Linder says, look for weed at. Is Larry Dolberg, you know, if there's rock piles. There's all kinds of things you're trying to do, but until you get on the water, you, you don't realize, you know, what you need. So the one night I'm bringing in my crankbait, like Dick Pearson said, you had to go to L turn before you do the figure eight. And this sub 30 inch fish comes out of nowhere and just slams the lure. And I froze. I mean, I froze. Like, you know, this is a mythical creature. I can't believe me got this to hit my lure, but I didn't set the boat. So after he shakes the lure off, I sit down. And the guy's like, what happened? I said, I said, I must, because why don't you set the hope? I said, I don't know. I don't know. And, and it took another seven years for me to catch a fish, which I actually caught accidentally bass fishing. And it was one of those deals, you know, I'm on the bank, casting out towards a log stand, and this, this wake comes, and you guys know bass fishing. You know, this bass will wake, but this is kind of like a freight train coming. And it just slammed the center there, set the hooks, fish goes flying out of, my, out of the water, and I realized it's a must. I'm trying to get this in. And I finally landed this fish. Beautiful, bar face colored musky. Probably there's the top of four. Fins pristine. And I'm just, I'm in awe. You know, I'm in awe. So I'm holding the fish, and I take a quick measurement. And, and I look down, and there's blood streaming down the side of the fish. And so I'm thinking, oh, no, you know, this, this fish I've been after, I'm going to kill the kill. I was doing press on her. I'm looking. Put it in the water and swim really great. No, okay, I hope it lives, you know. And as I'm gathering my stuff, I look down, my hands cut open, bleeding, swimming in the mayhem. I either got a hook through it or it's there's two through it, but you just don't, you know, you don't notice that kind of stuff. And I was happy it wasn't the fish, it was me. It went home and, and you know, things of went on, I ended up in my own boat, getting a little more serious into it, the lures, and you know, I'm nowhere on the level of you guys. I'm more of a you know, if I go four or five times a year, and I got other fishing patches too, you know, fly fishing and bass fishing are there too. But it's just, you know, that passion for that fish that you guys all have, you know, just enjoy talking about. That's kind of my evolution into the game, being more of a self-taught kind of guy. And again, there's still a lot to learn, and that's what these podcasts and all the information is for. That's my history. Hey, Todd, how many, how many people on their first fish that they, they have strike, don't set the hook. Yeah, most most people do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, most of the people that I'm taking out have not caught fish before, and, uh, you know, a lot of it has to do with how the fish grabs it. You know, some of those fish just come up and grab the bait and turn the other way, and they don't have to set the hook. <laughs> but I've had people bow down to the fish while we're throwing jerk baits and stuff and said, oh, I think I just had a hit, you know. Meanwhile, the fish is jumping out of the water, coming at you. And I, you know, you go over this time and time again, but it's it, it's hard. It's hard for guys because it doesn't happen instantaneously. It's not like you're going out there with a bobber and you're a bobber and a worm, and it's going to go under quickly, and you jerk it when the bobber goes under. You know, sometimes we fish for five minutes. Sometimes you fish the first cast, and somebody gets one on. Other times we fish for four hours or more before that strike. And you keep telling people, you know, keep your eye on the bait. You got to keep keep serious. Sometimes we don't catch anything for four hours, and then you'll get four or five hits in the next hour, you know. Uh, 
most people freeze up. That that that's norm. You know, if you're not used to it, you're not uh, uh, you know thinking about what's really gonna what can happen. I mean, it's 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 second nature to me. I can I stay focused the whole time, but I realize that. <laughs> that's hard to do when you went hours without a fish to stay focused on every cast. And, uh, yeah, most guys don't set the look. <laughs> okay, so we, we got one rookie mistake right there. The next the next <laughs> one, how many, you know, I, I know you use the BOGO a lot, but how many guys get cut on their first fish? Yeah, I, I, I use the BOGO a lot. But the other day we had a fish the... Once again, we, we you know we had a fish I'm in the boat. I use the boga ninety percent of the time when I'm handing it to somebody. I get guys that say, you know, I know how to handle this fish. I'm going to do it, and I cringe because most of the time they end up getting uh, they end up getting cut. They end up getting their hand up into the gill. We got a nice, real nice one the other day, and. Uh, uh, I even had it on the boga. It was it was in the net, tangled up in the net real bad. And I put the boga so I could get the hooks free, lifted into the boat, hoisted it up, and and you know put the put the uh, you know supported it under the belly because it was a big fish and handed it to the guy. His hand, you know, we didn't go over the whole deal, and his hand slipped right up there. And he he went to reach up under the gill to grab it, and uh, he reached up under the gill to grab it. And after the release, we got the bandages out and. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot going up on, on up there. I mean, you 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 get near that mouth, you get near that. I mean, you want to be very very careful because it happens almost every time. Had many experienced guys see some big cuts. I've cuts all over my hands, believe me. Uh, but uh, I, I do my best to not have that happen. And uh, you know, if I didn't have a if, if I didn't use that boger grip, uh, you know, for just subduing them in the net and or just landing them with the boat grip. If I tried to hand land all these fish, yeah, I probably wouldn't even be able to use my hands right now. Yeah. Because they they, they do some serious stuff to your <laughs> from that gill plate up, it's a vicious creature. <laughs> yeah, I uh you know, I wasn't throwing Steve under the bus for those for those little rookie mistakes, no. but it I I'll admit, my first muskie that fish I was pulling out of the net, I was with a guide. He, we, he netted it, and he's like, okay, I got the camera ready. I'm like, well, here we go. I've seen this in magazines. I reach my hand down there. I, I gill it, and he, I start picking it up, and he says the magic words. He goes, that's not a legal fish, so don't hurt it. And, of course, the fish starts to just head shake with my hand there. And I went, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to kill you. So I clamp my thumb down right on a tooth. And it, it hurt. It hurt the rest of the day. It hurt a week later. Yeah, I was bleeding yeah. everywhere, but it, you know, now it was it was in Malax, so I mean it had a, I, I don't know what the size limit was at that time, but it was, it was not the low forties that I caught. So I, you know, of course, you try to be careful, and the fish gets you good, and uh, yeah, I learned. That's just part of the game. Yeah, yeah, handling this fish is a big part of it. You know, I have guys I take out all the time, and. Uh, and he's walking around, and I'll get a call a couple of days later. Yeah, we caught one, and uh, I really wish you were there to help us handle that <laughs> fish. <laughs> it's nice when you get him out of the net for me. It's nice when you do all that, but uh, it's a chance every time, you know. And 
I, I'm nervous as a, as, as a guide, you know. Uh, that poker grip helps me out immensely. I would never, I would never give up on that thing. I mean, you know, I, I put it, especially the smallest fish, you know, I can hand that thing over to kids. I mean, today we had a young girl holding one, and, you know, I said, here, just grab it right here. Hold her into the belly. We took the photo, and, uh, you know, I grabbed it back off her, put it back in the water. Everything was fine. I can't hand that. I can't hand a fish like that over to a 11-year-old girl that's hardly ever even caught a fish before. There's no way I could ever do that mm -hmm. uh, and, and feel safe about it. We'll put yeah. it that way. Nice. But, hey, we, we kind of skipped the, uh, the fishing report. Todd, you want to give us the fishing report? Yeah, the fishing report is, uh, oh, man, I was up here over the holiday weekend. I try not to really fish over these weekends, but, you know, you get calls, you got to do them. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a miserable weekend of fishing. Hot, muggy, humid, 9,000 boats on the water, jet skis, skiers. Uh, they chopped up a lot of weeds, which made for tough trolling conditions because they were just chopping them up and sending them right out into the uh, the water you were trying to trying to fish in, but uh, yeah, we we got some fish each day. But uh, I did I I pretty much trolled the whole time. I had groups of three, so I didn't get to do any casting over the over the long weekend. And uh, you know, had some older guys, had some young kids, but we got a real nice forty-seven the other day. And uh, today we did a trip with uh, every year at the campground. I'm at Camp Chautauqua. Uh, on Chautauqua Lake, they do a, uh, they've been doing this for years, they do a uh, little fundraiser for Camp Good Days, which is, it has to do with kids with cancer and stuff, and uh, every year they try to up the ante a little bit and make a little bit more money, well, you know, long story short, I donate, I always donate a half-day trip to the, uh, to the fundraiser, and it was won by uh, some people here around the campground, and uh, they got to take them out this morning. Uh, this morning, the water, you know, the water was nice. It was hot and calm, but uh, at least all the boats were gone. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, you, you got to take them out, and uh, the young girl on the trip got to catch her first muskie. Uh, we got it right off the bat. Uh, we fished, you know, three or four hours, but uh, caught one early. Didn't do too good after that. I was having a real hard time trying to keep lures clean. But, uh, you know, the campground raised... The last I heard was getting up near thirty thousand dollars for this camp good days that it had to do with kids with cancer and uh it it's a really neat thing that they got going around the country with that with that uh, camp good days thing and uh always happy to take some people out to yeah. sit on the trip. The guy paid like fifty dollars more than he needed to for the trip that he's like, I'm gonna get it so it all goes with good fun, you know, good a good uh, a good cause. So Nice now, you're, you, was that just like in the campground? Was it just like for the people, or what? Could the community pitch in as well? Oh yeah, lots of people from the community pitched in. Uh, you know, it's a big campground. A lot of people from the campground got together and bought things. Some people would buy like a, you know, like a, a, a swing or a hammock or something, and they put it into the auction. They had an auction going, and uh, the the trip that I do that I donate goes goes into like a live auction and people bid on it and uh there there's a uh there, there's a pretty big following there's there's people from all over i mean to, to raise thirty thousand dollars that's a lot to do <laughs> somebody uh donated a golf cart you know all souped up golf cart with big fancy wheels and you know i don't i'm not sure who actually donated it but uh 
you know, they raffled that off for, with a you know ten dollar ticket, and that that helped the cause. But uh, it's all, it, it, it's always a nice day out here when when they're doing that. You know, people get their pocketbooks out and spend some money, and uh, it all goes to a good cause. Nice. Um, so, how's your schedule look for the rest of the rest of the month, Todd? Rest of the month, I don't have much. I, I got lots of stuff going in October. Open rather. Mm-hmm. Rest of the month, I got uh, like three days: eighteenth, twenty twenty first, and the thirtieth. Those are three days I have open. Every other day, I'm either fishing or I do have a couple days blocked off. I have my daughter's birthday coming up end of September here, but uh, you know, I got three days open still, and uh, we're we're still getting fish. It's only going to get better. Yeah. Uh, we, we got a cold front come in. What, what what are you thinking about that? Yeah, I'm excited. Anything to change the last few days. Like I said, we had some tough, we had some tough fishing. I mean, I fished, I fished, I fished throughout the weekend there, and uh, there were a lot of other guys fishing. And I usually you see some guys grab the net and land a fish. I there was not many fish caught this weekend, but uh, we had some really nasty weather. And like I said, the uh, the boat traffic and put that all into the mix and made for some tough fishing. We were lucky to get what we got. I feel. <laughs> you, you know, I really enjoy, you know, everybody, you know, if you guys listen to the podcast, you all know how often I get to fish. I sit in the, you know, I'm, I'm touching the ranger more doing the podcast than I am fishing this year. Um, I really like it when there's a pontoon boat or a jet ski or a ski boat that goes between me and the shore, that's, you know, 200 feet. I'm off 200 feet off the shore. I love it. I'm casting that way. It helps with the fishing. Yeah. I, I wish summer hadn't ended, uh, unofficially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we dealt with a lot of that over the weekend. There was just uh, tons of boat traffic. You know, most of the fish we did catch were out in the open water. Just I would just try to get out away from the weed edges because there were so many floating weeds we couldn't troll there. Like you said, I had another fellow, Red, Red, I can't, I, I don't even know his last name, but uh, he did a, he did a trip with me there on Sunday, and yeah, we got to hit, he brought it in, it was a beautiful big upper 40 inch fish, probably 47, 46, 47 inches, and uh, uh, right amongst all the people, we had people clapping and come over to look at this fish. <laughs> was it, was it a stock really fish? Not, What's that? Was that a stocked fish? Did it have a fin clip? I don't remember if that one had a fin clip or not. I don't remember that. I know today we got a fin clip. <laughs> okay. I, I just I, I, I love that big one. <laughs> I love hearing those stories when you're like, yeah, it was a natural fish. It, it, it yeah. always it always gives me hope. Oh yeah. Because it's it's it looks grim around here. I don't know what the musky fishing would be in my area if they didn't stock it. Yeah. I imagine there's something, but I. You don't want to find out. You don't want to take twenty years and say let's let's not do this anymore. Yeah, it's usually really evident because you know up here at Chautauqua, they every every four years they uh, they they clip one of the the fins underneath them, so it's like one, two, three, four up either. There's up the four the four belly fins for layman's terms. Yeah, yes, and they yeah. they yeah. change the four, it every the year. Fins. They do a different one. Yes, they go from one, two, three, four across their belly, like upper right, left, back, back. Okay. Three, four years they stalk them, and it's very, it's very evident when you catch them. I mean, I always notice that 
sometimes when they cook them, you'll see like a little nub of a fin, but you know that that was a stockfish because you can tell there's a little bit of a fin, fin regrowing there. And uh, I, I don't recall that that bigger one had one, but I think a lot of the really big pristine fish that we catch don't have a cook fin. Uh, you know, and, and, and it's very evident that they don't. Some of them do. You know, that big one uh, that we've caught a few times. I mean, it's, that one in Muskie Hunter? Yeah, the one in Muskie Hunter. Uh, it's not like we do that all the time, but that was a very recognizable fish. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, it, it was definitely a stock fish. I mean, that, that fin is missing and I don't, I thought she's still out there, but she may still be, but, uh, Steve, we weren't the first to catch her. <laughs> yeah. Steve, did you, did you happen to see that in Muskie Hunter? I think, we, I think we talked, I think you get Muskie Hunter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this the October, November issue? It was, I don't, I don't know, this was about, about a year ago, Todd, wasn't it? Yeah, I can't remember this. But, Todd, you know, he was in like one of them in the early part of, of the book, you know, the magazine, where they'll have like mm -hmm. two or three paragraphs. Well, mm -hmm. Todd got like a 51 and a half in September, two years ago. And then you got it the following June, and almost the same spot trolling. Almost the same spot, yeah, yeah, the same. I mean, it was 100% sure the same fish. At the upper part of its, uh, the upper mandible, the upper part of its jaw was missing, uh, you know, clip fin split in the one in the in the in the, in the back dorsal fin. Uh, there's a little red spot, and uh, you know, I knew as soon as we caught it, it was the same fish. Well, I, I didn't know right off the bat as soon as it rolled over in the net in June. I uh, I recognized it right away. I mean, I started chuckling and. Told you guys, it was the, it was the first first muskie for both of those clients. The one guy caught it in September. Was it like fifty one and a half? He had never caught a muskie. He got to reel that thing in. They had a fire tiger uh, colored wily lure that time. And then the next June, I was in the same area. I was probably within a hundred yards, uh, out in the middle of open water, and. Uh, like I said, as soon as it hit the net, when it rolled over, I saw that jaw, and I saw it, and I, I just, I was like, you guys, we got another 50. <laughs> you know, it, it's the same fish. And I had them sit down and take the photo the same exact way. And, uh, you know, I remember back to how we took that photo the year before. But, yeah, the one guy was from New Jersey, and the other guy was from Cuba, New York. So both of those, those guys started with a very big... Uh, they set, first fish. they set the bar high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, yeah. for, for those people who, who don't know, who haven't looked up Chautauqua Lake, what is it, 17,000 acres? Yeah, I think it's about 14,000 acres, okay, 17 and a half miles long. Yeah. Yeah. So 100 yeah. yards is not like some 70-acre puddle to yeah. where, you know, that, that, yeah. that fish is home range the whole lake. That's pretty substantial. That's needle in a haystack kind of stuff. And uh, yeah. what's even more impressive, and Todd left this out, both of those days that you caught that fish, I was on the lake those days. So with as You're much as I fish, yeah. I was there both of those days. And uh, it, it's the, to, to have it line up like that, I don't know how that, that works out. Because I fished probably on that lake four or five times that year. Yeah. <laughs> both years. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, yeah.
So, well, Steve, you're the guest. We, we've kind of not been including you too much. Uh, you, you got any... <laughs> I enjoyed the listening part. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to it live. <laughs> so, uh, you, you got anything you want to, you want to bring up and talk about? Well, you know, I, I got a couple topics. I guess I'll, I'll preface the one um, with a story. It's going on. And if you haven't been able to tell, I like telling stories. So, it's good. Uh, this is kind of my big fish story. I know you guys did, uh, Randy, you did your big fish story last week. Yep. So I'm going to kind of like weasel my big fish story in, but with uh, an overall question, okay? So let me let me start the story off with, you know, I went to a lot of these shows, and I went to one show one year, locally around where I live, and they had a door prize. And the door prize was a semi-guided trip on the local river. Now, you know, my whole kind of fishing evolution, as I mentioned at the start of the show, was kind of figuring out for myself, per se. So I was always the anti-guide kind of thing, because I always thought that diminished the success of the fish or the achievement of the fish. Okay. But again, it's a free trip. So what the heck? So my uncle, my uncle Dan, is like my musky fishing partner. We went a lot of times, and I said, hey, you know, come with me on this one. And he was ecstatic, so we go out there and, and like, you know, hour into it, my uncle kids is his first month he Okay. So he, he's just excited. I'm so happy for him. You know. Well, coming into the the winter and into the, the you know, January, February season where you got all these shows, him and I went out to Columbus. So he says to me, I, you always talk about Lake St. Clair. I'm gonna book a trip for us, Lake St. Clair with a guy for two days. My treat. I want to pay back for what you've done for me. And you know, again, how do you turn uh, away a free trip? But however, in the back of my mind, it's always that, hey, I'm always searching for a fish I think it's every musky fisherman's goal. And I'm thinking, what if I had to catch a 50-incher on Lake St. Clair? Would that diminish the achievement of that goal? So, again, to, to uh, I guess, make it okay with me, per se, I brought my own rod, I brought my own lures, they got it. We use the guy, he'll put us on the spot, but I'm going to catch the fish with my own quick. So we show up Lake St. Clair. First day, beautiful sunrise. Uh, it's just a nice day. And again, I kind of have a mild obsession with big lures. So I had myself casting a two pounder. And the guy's like, what, what are you doing? I said, Listen, I'm here for fishing. I mean, this is kind of my goal. I'm going to do it on my lures, kind of my own way. And he says, all right, well, as you guys know, when you go to cast a two-pounder for any length of time, let alone 10 hours, you better check your skirt at the door, which yeah. I didn't do this day. <laughs> so at the end of the day, we only had a couple of follows. Um, you know, it, it, in, in between throwing the two-pounder, I threw a pie, I kind of cheated through the pounder on the rest, and I had a follow on that, but it was not, you know, so it was kind of a level of disappointment Thinking, hey, this is a mythical Lake St. Clair. We should have 20 fish in the boat and all of us should be You know, so we had nothing. So that night, I'm just in discomfort. And, and as a side note, if you ever wonder if a hotel can run out of hot water, I'm here to say they can because I stood in that shower for an hour with hot water running on my back and shoulder for some relief till it started turning cold. So, you know, we go to bed, get up the next morning, and different conditions. There's no beautiful sun. There's no cool breeze. It's cloudy, 
rough weather, and the guide tells us 45 minute ride across four flips. Well, he has two seats in the boat, so I'm going to sit the one and he's the guy to drive us. I'm kind of laying on the front deck, hitting these waves. So, you know, I'm in Maine to begin with. So, pull to the first spot, and the guy just list. Forget your two pounder. Just put on a regular Medusa, you know, and start casting at it. So, an hour into it, I'm bringing the Medusa back, and this huge silhouette comes from under the boat like an elevator. It just rises up, you know, and I'd estimate like upper 40s type of fish. So, I, Excitedly starting my figure eight, you know, and he's telling me faster, faster. Well, in the speed, the excitement, the fish kind of loses interest and, and goes away. So we continue on, cast down. My Medusa gets slammed, you know, halfway up. I miss the hook set and I bring it in. I said, well, you know what, I'm going to change. And, and coming from a bass mentality, you know, I always line up 12 rods, different lures, pick something back different, you know, that kind of thing. I said, hey, you just got to follow us with a big fish. On the Medusa. You just had a bite of the Medusa. What are you changing? So I said, all right. So I stuck with it. Cast and cast. And we're an hour left in the trip. No fish in the boat. Mythical Lake St. Clair. We got nothing. So I'm bringing the Medusa in. And I noticed the guy. My uncle's in the front. I'm in the middle. And the guy's in the back. And he, he swaps down in this very intense position. I see him sweeping his rod around. And his alligator head kind of, you know, submerges and and loaded it up a lure and kind of missed it on the eight, and the fish just starts taking off underneath the boat. Well, I just happened to have my lure coming in, and this thing, excuse me, in slow motion, does like a 180, turns around, opens up his mouth, and just inhales the Medusa, Medusa gone. So I rear back and said, this thing just starts thrashing its head, you know. And while you're watching this, you're thinking of like, the sharks on Discovery, like ripping apart seals, you know, he's doing that massive head shake. Excuse me. And after that, kind of becomes unsuccessful. Fish turns, goes under the boat, and just takes my, the butt of my rod, or the uh, lower blank of my rod against the side of the boat. And I'm thinking, this rod's going to break. And so I kind of lift them up, and I sweep the rod around it. And at this time, it's, uh, and I told you I have an obsession with gear, so I have like a custom-made, ten-and-a-half-foot rod made for this whole thing. And I kind of sweep the length of the rod around the boat to clear the line from the engine. And, you know, a couple more powerful runs from the guy next to me. So we're screaming, and he starts to me, this is where you got your fist. You know, and hearing those words, you know, you kind of go back there when I mentioned the little kid staring up at this 54-inch on the wall, you know. It's like, it's kind of surreal, did you achieve that goal? And so we measured the fish. It was 53 and a half, 23 and a half inch dirt, put the picture, put it away, and it swam away, you know. And so, like, leading in my question, and I guess I answered my own question, the merit of that 53 incher, you know, I, I don't think it was diminished because it was with the God, you know. It's just the achievement feels just as real. That have been me, you know, in the back place somewhere. So, you know, what, what's your take? What do you guys think? And I, I know you're taught you're a guy, so you're, yeah, you, know, you see this kind of all the time, but what's your, your thought on that type of mentality? Uh, all right, we had to do some audio changes. Uh, go ahead, Todd, continue. Yeah, I mean, you know, the way I feel about that is, I mean, what, what, what you did, uh, you know, you were out with somebody. Obviously, they took you to the spot. They took you to the area. 
because St. Clair, I've been there many, many times to Egg Lake. The fish don't jump in the boat out there. <laughs> you know, there are areas where, where, where you're catching them. And, uh, you know, going there on your own, you go figure it all out. And uh, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But, you know, to me, especially because you caught that fish casting, that, that that's a big deal. You know, I take guys out all the time, every day, and, uh, you know, I, I feel that there's a big difference when guys catch their fish casting rather than when they catch that fish trolling. Because when we're trolling, they're sitting there waiting for the rod to go off. I'm driving the boat, clearing rods, keeping everything going. Uh, I mean, when I go out of town somewhere, if I go to Florida, the first thing I do is go down to the local place and, and uh, sit, you know, find out what they're catching, what's the cost to go on the trip, and uh, I'm going to go. So, no, I mean, I don't think it diminishes, uh, you know, your your catch when you're with the guide. It's probably going to be more self-satisfying for you if you go out and do it and you catch one next week on your own. But, uh, you, know, you know, you know, the guide thing is, you know, that's what people go for. Most of the people that I take out are looking at that muskie as this mythical creature. And, you know, I have people land a 32-inch fish and they look at it and they say, look at that beast. I look at it. Look at that little baby, <laughs> you know. And, and I have to keep, I have to keep excited for people. Like you got your first muskie, way to go, you know. But all the fish we caught this week were everybody's first muskies. And uh, how many wanted know, to mount them? Yeah, some of them were thirty-two inches, and some of them were forty-seven. Uh, <laughs> but I tell the guys that get to forty-seven, I'm like, well, good luck. It 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 doesn't always go up from there. Believe me. <laughs> You know, you you already hit a 50, 53 and a half. That's a giant fish. That's the biggest anything I've ever caught in my life. Uh, St. Clair can do that. But if you find out, even with a guy, they don't just jump in the boat there. It's not like that place is easy. You know, I kind of look at it the same, you know, as Todd. But, you know, since since I am also, you know, a hunter, I've gone on elk hunts out, you know, out in the West. And, you know, at what point, you know, when someone brings, you know, say you bring home a mountain lion, there's no one there that's going to say, well, you didn't get that. You didn't own the land. You didn't. Well, yes, I did. I, it's right here. Yeah. I had to hire someone so I could hunt on their 20,000 acres. They, yeah. they, they had the dogs. I didn't buy the dogs and train them. How could I train a lion dog? But, you know, it's, it's also, you're going to a different place and you're not in... It's not like you're dragging your boat up there. You know, you're not camping in your boat at night. You're, you're up there. You know, you, you got the trip. You, you went up there. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't diminish it, but I, I do the same thing in the back of my head. I haven't boated a 50 incher. I've bank yanked one, you know, and, and how, how extreme do you take it? I mean, when we were talking the other day, Steve, you, you're, you're in the fly fishing and, and you kind of bring both rods, you know, a fly rod and then a musky rod. When is the trophy gonna be so satisfying that yeah, I caught it on a fly that I tied in a natural producing stream? <laughs> you know how, how extreme do you go with it? You know, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, of course, that fifty three, you caught it. That's yours. That's that's great. The guy didn't catch it for you. He he helped, just like the guy that's gonna be using the net when you're in your boat. You know, the guy that nets your, you know, three foot or 40 inch or what have you, 
technically, he caught it, the guy with the net, because he then, <laughs> you know. He insisted on it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you got it close, but he actually got it to where you could pick it up. and It's not like a bass you can flip-flop into the boat. It's So, you know, I don't know. I, I wouldn't. You know, I think well, that that comes up more with anglers that are experienced. They're like, well, I did this great thing with the help of this person, but now it, for it to really count, I have to do it for myself. But you know what? That might not happen. And it might just be demographics, and you just have to live with that. But you could also go to St. Clair for another six months every day and not catch a 50-incher. I mean... Well, I will say, man. I'm looking at the 53 and a half mile on the wall. Like I said, it's a joy of that day. <laughs> Resonating every time I look at it. So, you know, like oh, yeah. kind of resolved it in my mind of being uh, quite an accomplishment. You know, but it, it, I thought it was an interesting point of discussion because that was my mentality going into my God, got a trip, man. This is, you know, this is kind of cheating. But like you said, it's tough to take my little 14 foot crest line with a console to Lake St. Clair. I mean, you know, that's like yeah. a five hour drive. And you never know the weather. I mean, that day with four footers, I, you know, I take my crest line off Lake Erie when I see two and a half footers. So there's no way I would even been on the water. So I kind of look at it as, like you said, hey, this is a means to get out there in a short period of time. Um, and, and, you know, and so there's only so much you can do and how far do you take it, you know? Yeah, it, yeah you know, lots of times the guys use, use the guides as a, uh, I mean, you know, it, 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 it's a learning thing. Most of the people I take out haven't done it. They want to catch that mystical muskie. I have other guys that are like, hey, I'm coming for a week vacation. I want you to show me around the lake. I don't even care if we catch a fish while we're doing it. But when people say that as a guide, you always take it like, oh, no, we're going to catch fish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going to show you some fish, you know. You, get, you, you, you know, you take them around the lake, you show them around, and, uh, and you give it there because, you know, lakes, you know, these bigger lakes change so much, you know, you know, you can take somebody somewhere and the next day the wind's blowing 30 miles an hour from the other direction and uh, everything you just showed them went to, you know, so as I'm doing it, you explain, I, can, I always can tell the guys that are into it and want to learn a little bit about it or I know they're there for the weekend, I'm going to look tomorrow, the wind's supposed to blow from the, from the, you know, northwest, here's where you want to be, we're not even going to fish it right now, but tomorrow you need to get up here, you'll see me up here. Because I'm going to be up here. We're not going to fish it right now because it's just, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's just not going to work with, with the way the wind's blowing today. But tomorrow, those fish, you know, that's where you're going to want to be. And, uh, you know, I show guys around, and every year's different. I mean, where we're catching most of our fish this year uh, up here at Chautauqua, I didn't even hardly fish there last year. You know, and that's a 17-mile lake. It's nothing like St. Clair. But, you know, the fish the fish lead those guys around the lake. They lead me around the lake. And uh, sometimes I chase my tail a little bit. And uh, But once you get on fish, you stay on them, and you keep going. And, uh, uh, you know, that, that's just uh, some of the different things you do. When you're, you know, when you're guiding, I mean, you know, the fact you spent two days in St. Clair and you got that fish, you know, to me that's more... That's more excitement catching that 53 and a half than catching, you know, going to St. Clair and saying you've got 20 fish. Uh, a lot of times clients don't feel that way. You know, uh, you want to 
keep the rod bent and keep people catching fish. But I'm more excited when we catch a four-footer than we, if we catch six of them that are mm-hmm. 40, 40 inches and under. So, because uh, I'll remember that one fish because we don't mm-hmm. catch that many four-foot fish. <laughs> yeah. You know, that just doesn't come around all that often. Little ones come around all the time, but, you know. Well, yeah. I guess that old saying, you, you always remember your first and biggest, you know. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a great, you know, that's a great story. That's a great fish, Gee. Yeah, and it also it goes to you know we've we've touched on it several times. Saint Clair doesn't just the fish don't jump in the boat. You worked hard for two days to get that fish. It's not like you went out there five minutes. You had three in the boat and a fifty-four, and you know you you, you wrapped it up. You know, like up oh, day's done. See you later. You know, it's, you didn't go to the store and buy it. <laughs> yeah. I've been I've been to St. Clair many many days and I've never uh, reeled in a fifty three incher. I've netted a few, <laughs> but uh, I well, because your that counts, right? You netted them like you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Technically, yeah, yeah I, I netted them in my boat and I was driving, but uh, we were trolling at the time. But yeah, I never actually reeled one in yet. So yeah, nice. Yeah. And, and I gotta say that there is also. Uh, the element of guilt because that was the only fish caught toward the trip and there's my uncle putting the bill and I'm the one with the fish so you know fish. <laughs> well you just you just let your uncle know it wasn't yeah, that I'm big of a fish, fish what was that Steve I was talking over you oh I said you know I'll deal with that guilt you know I'll invite my uncle over to look at the fish you know <laughs> yeah yeah so, yeah just so how, how long ago did you do that trip Steve yeah, well, you know, again, you always remember your first and biggest. It was October 29th, 2013, at 2 p.m. <laughs> a couple yeah. years ago, yeah. How many seconds? <laughs> <laughs> mm, well, the fight, I would estimate the fight was probably, you know, 50 seconds to a minute and a half, per se. So I'm going to go 158 and 30 seconds when I hooked it. <laughs> you mean, he didn't just, I, I, I'm amazed, at, you know, and I'm not knocking these guides. The ones that they, they, they sit there with the net and, you know, they, they, they like, bite both sides. It's like a three-second fight before the, the net's under them. You ever see those YouTube videos? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I've seen those. There's they, a, they hit right at the net and they hit right there and, bam, in the net. <laughs> instantly. But, you know, but it's also a giant fish, which... When do you lose all your big fish or any fish within the first five seconds? If you can just streamline it to only have them on for three seconds, you're going to catch more fish. You never lose one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've had walleye on here where, like, you, you get them to the boat and you're like, oh, that's a nice one. That's an eight or a nine pounder. And it's it, they always are like, oh, my gosh, it's just by the skin. You're like, get the net down there. And as the net's going, the plug pulls out. And if the net guy is good, he'll keep pushing the net there. We've had eight, nine-pound walleye swim into the net trying to dive back down once they break free. You could do that with muskie if you're quick enough. Just just pause them enough. Maybe maybe put a bulldog or something on the rim of the net. <laughs> I've, I've got quite a few muskies in the net that came off the lure over the years. Yeah, that, that that's that's a big assist. You you get a point for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So, so Steve, w- when we were talking the other day, you should, well, actually, when you were here at my, at my pole barn, the headquarters for the podcast, um, you showed me a picture of your basement, and it, <laughs> you built this rod rack, and it literally, it, it, I can't even describe it, 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 bars on a gel cell, um, stripes on a zebra, it took up like 30 feet of your wall. <laughs> now, you're, now you're really putting it into legendary status. It was nuts, and I made it. You know, you don't have to give number figures like we talked about. I guessed what I thought was ah, that's a good guess, and I was off by one third. I mean, like I was one third of what you told me. And and just so you know, and I don't know if I'm gonna get you in trouble. Just just so people know, there were four zeros in this to the left of the decimal. Correct. <laughs> well, now, here, I'm going to say something. Okay. And I'll describe the run, right? Because I'm proud of it. My friends call it a collection. Now, you know, back in the day before marriage and kids, I literally would use every rod I had. I mean, and I have well over 100 combos. You know, 20 wheelchair fly fishing, and I got, you know, 15 musty combos, bass. So I have a whole gambit, okay? But one talent, I, again, the one talent I feel I have, and I'm never going to profess to be a great fisherman. But I can find deals on good equipment, and I'm so obsessive and persistent about it that that number you know is retail, and it's probably half of what I actually spent. So, with that being said... Even still, that's yeah. a new truck. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I also don't understand. I have no hooks. I don't hunt. I don't like collect wine, stamps. I don't have dirt bikes. I don't like fishing games. Like I... You know, it, 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 it's fun in life how you surround yourself with what you have a passion for. Like, I, I, I have a passion for bass fishing. Okay, I told you, like, come mid-April or late May, I only have one fish on my mind. It's a smallmouth bass, and that's it, you know. And so I got, I got friends, you know. So I, got, I got my buddy Kevin, John, and Scott. These guys are obsessed with bass. It's not casual. Two of these guys have places in the area, and the third's buying a place in the area just to fish for bass. So, during that time frame, I fish with these guys. This is my, again, my, my friend base is on this obsession of bass. But after kind of June hit, I transitioned into my musky phase. And my Uncle Dan and I, like, musky fish when we can, and he's great because I could call him up and say, we're going the next day. You know, this construction company, somehow he rearranges his whole schedule, and he's back. I'll pick him up three in the morning. We're driving three hours to Chicago for a day trip or something, okay? So, but he has that obsession and passion I have for musk. And then, you know, kind of transitions in October, and I kind of go a little back to the small mouth of musky, and then, then the fly fishing season for me starts. So come November all the way through the winter to March, I'm driving up to Central PA, and I got buddies out there, you know. Pat, Dom, and Matt, these guys are like hardcore purists. Fly fishermen, they have this, like, trumpet and blog, they, you know, send with it. So I, I, you know, that time frame is, is when I go with them. And again, it's my whole, my whole passion, excuse me, it's surrounded by fishing. And, and it just, like I said, has, has kind of three phases. And each one of the guys that I'm with have that same passion. Now, my wife begged me to pick one. Like, just pick one. Like, don't fly fishers. Why don't you fly fishers? 
Well, see, you, you made mention that you don't hunt, you don't do this, you don't... What I just heard is you do three different things. Bass fish, musky fish, and fly fish. Oh, come on, it's all one. That's for tell my wife. Tell me how. Well, no, I, I, I also heard that you've said this before at least 20 times to different people. Brilliant. This is an intervention. <laughs> no, no, but I, I was I was thoroughly impressed, but I didn't mean to interrupt. Keep going. No, no, no. Well, and again, you know, you guys share a passion with musky, and that's kind of why Andy, you and I were able to talk for four hours. And yeah. we have that that's integrated into our being. It's just, I don't think a lot of people understand. And so you kind of surround yourself with those, those same individuals who have that same passion. You know, and, and oh. you know, I've kind of taken it a step further with my obsession with gear. And, and I got three little girls, five and under. So my fishing time, and you, you'll you understand this, Andy, is just diminished to, if I go once a month, I'm like, Yep. But my friends tell me I'm the greatest virtual fisherman they've ever seen. Like, I will obsess over stuff. Like, I have this buddy, Scott. He, he's kind of a rod maker close by, and I come up with projects, and, hey, Scott, how about this? And he gets in my mind. He's a bass guy. He'll make drum shot rods and stuff, and I don't do a modification of a rod. And I said, you know what, Scott? Here's what I want to do. I want a 10-foot rod for 10 plus and a musky rod that'll cast 36 ounces. I said, figure out how to do it. And he's like, you're on your board. I'm a bass guy. I said, no, you're a rod maker. It's all the same, you know? <laughs> so my, his nickname for me is Crazy Musky, even though you know, we bash this together. But he came up with it. A 10-foot, 3-spiral wrap rod. He had to find a factory rod. He stripped down to nothing. Added extension. And he said, you know, you're not for these projects. And I just, you know, I have fly rod projects for him. I, you know, I just kind of keep up with things because that's my virtual uh, fishing. And that, that's how I keep active with the passion I have. That's just thinking these things. That's, that's my Andy. <laughs> <laughs> that is Andy for me. Yeah. Like Andy, well, Andy, Andy, can you do this? I don't know how to do it, but this is what I'd like to have. I mean, it's like, oh, I can't fish, but I can do it. <laughs> and that's the funny thing. Andy showed me some of the, the gadgets he had. And can I tell the story about the one rod with the heat? Go, go for it. Okay. So I show him this rod, right? And Andy says, oh, I got a rod you don't have. So he points to this, like, uh, pier fishing saltwater rod with the Cabela Saltus. And I said, oh, no, I got that. I got, you know, three soldiers. To... He said, no, no, I don't care what you say. You don't have this rod. <laughs> so he pulls this rod off the rack with worms hanging off it. I said, what on earth is that? Well, he laced the rod with wire that connects to a battery. So the guy drops when they start freezing on him, he clears it off. And I'm thinking, you know what? I don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. That. So, yeah, that is, and I'll give a little bit more background. When you know, I've talked about that winter fishing and stuff throughout these podcasts, and you know, I talked about that abu that I that I busted up in a half hour. Um, yeah. That ice gets really bad, and one way to really combat it, if if the fishing is good and the temperature is cold air temperature, but the water is not matched with the air yet, you can break your equipment pretty quick. I mean, you I popped out you know, eyelets and guides and stuff like that, trying to break the ice. And some guys, they have different ways of doing it. But, you know, just to talk about this rod, 
the spinning reel will take ice better than a casting reel. So on the, you know, and I, you know, I built this. I'm like, this is going to be my extreme. No one else can fish when I can fish. So I figured out a way that I can heat those eyelets and I have speaker wire coming off of it and I have a little 12 volt battery I keep in my pocket. I have a heated grip and I went out and I said, I got to see if this thing works. So I went out one day, the eyelets were about freezing shut. I said, okay, it's go time. I plug it in and I don't want to say instantaneously, but pretty close to instantaneously. It just, all this water starts dripping off. I'm like, bingo, it works. And, uh, that was probably five or six years ago I did that, and I have yet to use it again. Conditions just haven't been. So it just sits there for Steve to discover it on a whim, Labor Day weekend to pick up a Raptor order. <laughs> I, I discovered it too because I remember talking to you about that. One of the first discussions before we even got into the baits and stuff, and uh, I said, you know, wouldn't it be, I mean... This would be easy, steelhead fishing up at Erie, just have a little charge in there. And Andy was like, yeah, I, I, I have that in my garage. <laughs> I, I, I already did that. And I was like, oh, okay, this guy's got some good ideas. <laughs> but, but Steve, I can really relate to your thing. I mean, I remember so many times, like back in high school, you know, we would go fishing and the guys would come and I would supply all the baits because they didn't have any lures. And they're like, oh my gosh, look at how much of this lure... You have boxes and boxes of these musky lures, and I still have thousands of musky lures. Andy can attest to how many lures I have. I mean, they're just in my basement hanging on the He wall. had to build I, shelves in his garage to house these boxes of baits. I'm with you. Yeah. And, and they're reti- you know, some of them are retired, some of them are just sitting there, but people are just like, I can't believe how much money you spend. I mean, I, I you know, they're, they're $20 a piece and this and that, but, you know, when I look back to my childhood, I could look at those guys, and when they would come on a trip to Canada with me, they would bring a box filled with cassette tapes or something. And it's like, you know, I bought like two cassette tapes in my life. Mm-hmm. I bought probably two CDs in my life. That's just what, that, that was my passion. I had a paper mm-hmm. rod. I would buy fishing gear. I would buy rods, reels, uh, lures and lures, as long as you don't lose them, they last a long time. The, mm-hmm. you know, the musky baits. So I have a lot of these baits I'm, I still have are, you know, 20 and 30 and 35 years old. And, you know, they're still, and they still catch fish. Uh, but that's where I did it, you know, and I, I remember those guys in high school saying, like, huh, you spent all that money on the tackle. And I would be like, well, you, you spent all that money on those cassette tapes. You know, or or uh, you know, CDs. When I got in college, I was like, I, I don't I don't need that. I just listen to radio. <laughs> I, I was in I was in Todd's basement one day, looking at his like antique lure collection that takes up a third of a wall, and the Smithsonian called and they wanted their lures back. It, it was like some of these things just were were just ancient, and you know, it, he has them displayed so nice. That you know, I, I hope you have an insurance policy on that stuff. Yeah, I mean they're not really ancient lures. Most of the lures. Well, they're they're, they're musky. They're the history of like musky baits. Yeah, yeah. I have the history of musky baits, but all of our baits were used. I don't have stuff in pristine. I'm not a collector. I, I'm a collector, but I'm a collector through the years of my grandpa's stuff and my stuff and our stuff and. Uh, 
all of our stuff have like teeth marks. You know, the, the real collectors have the ones that are in pristine condition in boxes. I don't have that much of that stuff. I, we, I, I like the used stuff better. It, it, they tell a yeah, story. I mean, yes, yeah. Most of those baits down in that basement, I, I, either I've caught a fish or if I didn't, I know my grandpa or my dad or, you know, somebody has. Because there's there's no new ones down there. I never really got into the real collecting part of it, but uh, uh, yeah, there. It goes through the. It's crazy. That's some of the stuff we used to use. Looking back now. Yeah, and then. Sorry, the, I, I just wanted to add though, and, and, and just a part of the center bench. I do think it's important to note. <laughs> but again, I, I I pay the bills. <laughs> yeah, it's not the obsession level where money's coming out of my family's mouth. And again, no, the first exactly. thing is like almost died because A, I got so much, and B, you know, there's more important uh, a draw for the farm value kids. You know, I drive like a 2000 Pontiac Bonneville, that was my beater, and my buddy says to me, geez, look at all this money spent on wars. He's driving it brand new at 110. Well, guess what? I'm driving this white car, and that's why I put it into that, like you said, that passion, because I could go in my storage area and look at these lures for the next 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going yeah. memory. Yeah. Yep, and they're there forever. And I, but I did tell my wife, you know, something happens to me, if I fall over tomorrow, I have a heart attack. Uh, get somebody in here that knows what they're doing, because there's enough money in here to <laughs> put some kids through school. And it's in this little collection that I have. Don't just give it away. <laughs> yeah, don't. New York sale with 10 cents of lure on it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to do that. There's a lot of stuff here worth some money. We could get my daughter through school a few years. So she does know that. <laughs> what, what was that saying? I saw it somewhere. It says, "I my biggest fear is if I die, my wife will sell my fishing stuff for what, for what I, I told, told her I paid for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do, I do do that all the time with my wife. You know, get a hold of somebody like Andy. Don't <laughs> just give this stuff away. There's enough Wiley lures in here to get through one year of school. <laughs> yeah. Well, just Wiley lures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. What I got is, is in my will, I'm going to give my wife the, the, the folder in which the spreadsheet's in that I have all those rods and really how much they're worth. But they have to be dead before that gets revealed. <laughs> yeah. you, you actually have a spreadsheet. You told me this. Oh, yeah. Oh, he, wow. he has it itemized. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. you got to know when you change the line, you know, when you service the reels. You know, so it's all kind of listed out there. And, and again, the price and retail and uh, if it caught a fish or not and whether it's customized with weights or wrap. Because or, I, I just don't buy a rod off the shelf. That just is uh, somewhat unacceptable. So I <laughs> put it through the rigors of testing and... And like, let me just, again, to, to get to my obsession, a jerk bait rod for a bass, I must have bought and sold 20 rods. I mean, we're talking, you know, your G-Boomers, your St. Croix, to find the rod that had the exact action that I wanted. And I still couldn't find it. So what I had Scott do was modify the closest I could to it. <laughs> so that goes on to my virtual fishing. And, you know, so, and, yeah, it, it's the next level. <laughs> I understand the stress of it. I enjoy, that, that part of it I enjoy, and people say, well, did you just hope you catch one fish? Well, no. Okay, I, I don't think yeah. it does. But, but what it does for me 
A, it increases the experience for me because I feel like, hey, I fine-tuned this to how I like to work it. But then B, and I know you guys talk about this a lot, the confidence it gives me in how I'm working at bait has translated into better success. Yep. So, you know, it doesn't make me a better fisherman, but it gives me a mindset that it has increased my success, which I could say for certain that in fly fishing, in bass fishing, in musky fishing, my success has increased. You know, time on the water helps that, of course, but the confidence of all this mental virtual fishing I do and, and fine-tuning everything to, to the way I like, it helps me fish that lure completely back to the boat, you know? helps me stay with it longer because I enjoy how it feels. You know, those kind of things that I think do right. translate into success. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, your your little virtual fishing. I, I like that saying, uh, and we touched on this yesterday when we when we talked on the phone, Steve. Um, I used to I, when I was dating my wife, way back in the day. You know, it we we both got home from work or whatever. I was still living with my parents. We we did it. We you know we did it traditionally. We didn't live together until we got married. So we'd like hang out at each other's parents' house. You know, we're we're a small country. And on many nights, there's like nothing to do except watch TV. And I would I would bring this up. I would say, you want to play fishing lore? And I'd go get a tackle box, open it up, and just look at the baits. And, and Todd, you believe she's still married? Him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's love right there. Well, she knew she was getting into. Yeah. Yeah. I got engaged. Strolling down the middle of the lake on on Chautauqua Lake many years ago, and uh, you know that's a, that's the same thing. You know, you know, sort of the same thing. My my wife did, did not understand it, but she saw my passion. She knew what she was getting into. I was going the Pro Musky Trail at the time, and uh, you know, we were dating. Like, hey, I'm going to be going a week. We're going to Minnesota. We're going to Wisconsin. Okay, that's how it all got. You know, and I was doing some guiding at the time a little bit, but, uh, yeah. So I figured, well, it's time to get engaged, and uh, I guess we'll do this on my time because there's nothing else going to be on my time after this for the, <laughs> for the whole wedding ordeal. So, yeah, we, we came up for the weekend and got engaged and, uh, yeah, rolling down the lake, but not all women would maybe be able to handle that. But I, I needed some a woman like that or... It wasn't going to work for me. <laughs> now, let me ask you this, Todd. When you were about to pop the question, if that rod went off, yeah. would you have scratched that plan immediately? And gone oh, forward? yeah. That, that, oh, that, that the plan would have been scratched. It would have been delayed. We'll put it that way. <laughs> I went out into Chautauqua Lake, out in the middle of the lake. To an area that I never fish and I never catch anything. <laughs> I wouldn't catch a fish because I don't go there. I went with my my most off the wall spot. That's where I was trolling when 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 we did that. <laughs> yeah. So if so if your wife ever listens, she's gonna be like, oh, so you went where you wouldn't catch a fish and be interrupted. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to get interrupted. Yeah. Yeah. It's you, when you go through this spot, it's either do I pop the question or change colors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's that's about it. That's where I that's where I call the question. <laughs> See, I love that thinking because you say, "Let's run the next year. Let's go down memory lane and troll up the Chautauqua." You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've been through that area since. I mean, that was like <laughs> ten I, years I, ago. I just 
I just don't go out there because I never go there and I just don't fish there and uh, I felt sure I wasn't going to get a hit out there. <laughs> I can see your wife saying, Todd, let's go, let's go musky fishing. Take, let's, let's fish that area where you asked me to marry you. <laughs> well, I can take her there. Uh, I, I just, uh, it would have to be just for reminiscing purposes, not for fishing. Yeah, you'll just be coming off plane so you can go to yeah. the next <laughs> So, uh, hey, we're about an hour and five minutes into this. Steve, you got anything else you want to chat about? Well, you know, we had to do another three hours, so I better say no, because I don't know if the, if hey, the rules we, of the podcast will allow you to go three hours. <laughs> I, I can go as long as the, the iPad has batteries. If you, if you want to keep going, if you got something else, let's keep going. Well, it's up to you, Tom, because you have something else. Um, I'm good. If you got another question, we'll get another one, and we can get you back on here for some more. I mean, it, it, this was this was fun. Well, the the last question, and I'll make the check. So, okay. and this kind of goes back to, and I mentioned it briefly when I was fishing with that guide and the mentality of changing things. Okay, and again, my past background, when I go my fishing by myself, I have a rod holder, vertical rod holder of 12 different rods. But again, I fine tune through a virtual fishing towards specific lures that I like. And, you know, Andy shows me one rod. This is it. This is what I got. I fish gliders on there. I fish everything on there. And I'm comfortable with it. So, you know, the, the multiple rod mentality versus the one rod mentality. I know you might have touched on this on other podcast, but do you see a lot of guys, because you guys are more in tune in the musky world than I am, uh, do you see a lot of guys with that bass mentality? coming into the musky world with, you know, the 12 rods and that kind of deal and switching out every 10 cats. I mean, you know, occasionally I have somebody come and throw bait for, you know, 10 minutes and, and tell me maybe we should switch this color. They're not hitting this. Uh, the more I guide, you know, the more, the, the more I do this, the more I realize the timing, the timing is everything. Putting the boat in the spot, that color type of lure. I mean, the type of lure means something because of where you're putting it. You know, how deep is it? How how high is it running in the water column? But the color really is not making that big of a difference. But occasionally, I get guys, and a couple of them been, have been fly fishing guys, where they take. You know, they fish a fly for 10 minutes and they want to change. And then they go back and sit down and, and change their fly. Then they go up and do it again. And then I, and they go back and change their fly. And the whole time I'm sitting there, like, every time you change your fly, you're missing out on three or four casts. I will fish the same lure. I know. But that all comes back to that confidence. You, you brought that up earlier. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm fishing here all the time. You know, you're fishing your lakes. I can tie a lure on and use it, and I get other lures out to make, you know, it, it, it drives people crazy if I catch a fish. If we catch a fish on a lure, and I'll cut a, you know, maybe I'll have to cut a couple hooks, and I'll throw it on the dash, and some guys are looking like, I can't believe you're not going to put that lure back on. Hmm. I'm like, well, I, you know, I, I, I'll just grab this one. I, I, I haven't caught one on this one yet, or, you know, this is the, this is the same 
uh, you know, it's going to do the same thing. Where fishing with Vance, we talked about that a few podcasts ago. I was like, I'm going to get this chartreuse perch out because Andy wants to drop that color, and I've never used it. And I threw it for 10 minutes when we got a 42 incher, <laughs> 43 incher. You know, uh, there. You know, most of the time, I mean, it comes down to, you know, when I'm trolling, the only thing you can do is change lures. So when I'm trolling, I change a lot. You know, when I really am, I'm like, okay, we'll just put another one on. That's where I get to use all my lures. Uh, trolling. I'm trolling six rods at a time, and I can change them all out. When I'm casting, and I, I, I grab those certain raptors, and, you know, I, I try to go out of my way I, to ask guys sometimes, like, hey, do you want to change that bait? You know, change with a different color, change to something. I wouldn't do it, but I do it because some people do look at it like, you can't give me this bait, he's going to make me through this one lure all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm confident with what we're doing. I'm confident with the bait that's on there. I'm confident with the way they're working it that, you know, I don't think that color means all that much and stuff. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll hit on the on the rod portion. You, you talked about all the multiple rods and stuff. I, you know, I showed you mine in my custom job handle, you know, my, my butt grip extension that I was very proud of. I did myself on my Legend Tournament, which I didn't realize I was talking to, like, the Pope of custom rods. Um, uh, I, I've seen friends of mine, you know, like, you know, I've been fishing one rod for, you know, several years now. I used to have, like I, like I said, three. I could only fish one at a time. I was stepping on them and this and that. That's how, you know, when we talked on this past weekend when you're here, you, you keep your rods up because stepping on one of your rods is like a mortgage payment. Um, <laughs> you keep rubbing that in, don't you? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm very impressed with it. And I want people to understand without actually giving numbers <laughs> the stuff that we talked about. But... Um, but- you know what you successfully done? You successfully made me not let my wife be able to ever listen to this. <laughs> well, you, that's what I'm going to label. I'm like, wives don't listen to this one. I'll, I'll put that. Yeah. Um, but I've seen guys, and, and this is, you know, it, it just might be, you know, I, I have a higher end combo that I use. I, ha- I have a Legend Tournament big dog with a high gear tranks on it. Um, I see, I have some friends that have higher end reels with mid-level rods, and that's fine. But then they're carrying two or three other maybe mid-level reels with mid-level rods, low-level reels with, you know, mid-level or low-level rods. And for me, it was always, I got this high-end thing in my hand. Anything that I grab from this is just a downgrade. And I, I kind of like the, I like the, well, I'm not going to get better quality and any of these other combos in the one I'm holding, even if it was like, and, and that could go across the board. Say if, if you don't have the budget and, and you have a couple, you know, low end combos, you know, you got $250 combos, but you have one combo that might be 450, you know, and if that was me in that situation, I would always fish that 450, you know, $450 combo because that's the best of the group. And, and, and that's just my approach on it. So I, I look at this and I'm like, why don't you sell some of those other ones off and maybe up, upgrade your rod? That, that's my, my thinking. But, so there's a lot of guys like you that I have a, I have a rod for 
jig and bondy baits. I have a rod for red Octobers. I got a rod for bucktails. And if if you can keep that straight, more power to you. That whatever floats your boat in that. Oh but, yeah, and if people have their different passions. I mean, you know, Ed, you've seen my rods. Yeah. Uh, that rod is just a tool that I'm using to reel the fish in. Yep. And they're not pretty. <laughs> Some of those all-star rods you have, the cork is like so pitted and degraded and just... <laughs> looks like tree bark. But, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, to me, that's not the big part of it. But everybody's got their own little passion there. You know, uh, that rod's just a very small, I mean, it's a rod. I'm going to reel in until it breaks. I just keep using them. But I can see that, I, I, you, know, I, you know, I can see that. I understand the balance and everything guys are trying to get out of everything. But uh, um, like Andy, I mean, we just grab the rods, we go, we fish, and uh, that rod's just a tool. You just learn to deal with what you got. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you reel them in. This is another important thing, then. I could, I could parlay this and just say, hey, dear, if I fished more like these guys, I wouldn't Virgil fish and get an obsess over how the rods are out. This would be good. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I, yeah. I've, I've told Todd this. The less I fish, the higher-end stuff I'll buy, so it'll make my brain think that I'm having a better time. There you go. <laughs> yeah, like, and I'm looking at it right now. I had a 55-pound thrust to rove on the front of my, my Ranger. It did well enough. But in the back of my mind, when I'm sitting here every night painting baits or whatever, I'm like, I wonder what an 80 would do on the front of this thing. <laughs> so I went and bought one, and I I could sell it as brand new. There's, like, not even a scratch on it. But I, I, I get yeah, I mean, it. I, and, yeah, yeah, I'm, I, and, and I can see it. Because uh, I look at those all-stars and think, I wonder... If I can use those for the next 25 or 30 years, <laughs> the same couple rods. I mean, what is that cork going to look like then? Yeah. It'll be a rod <laughs> blade with some resin on it. <laughs> <laughs> and how many fish will those have caught by then? You know? Uh, yeah. It's all different. Yeah. But, uh... Hey, we're, we're going to we're gonna have Steve on again. This, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. It, and, uh... Sure. You know, what we're going to wrap this up here. We're probably an hour and 15 minutes into this. So, uh, like Fatty Z Muskie products on Facebook, uh, fattyzmuskie.com. Check out the rod holders, jerk baits, glide baits, soft plastic. Um, you got Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, Todd Young. Uh, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides on Facebook, muddycreekfishingguides.com. Um, if you guys, you know, we were having people on, you know, and we, we want to keep doing this, it's a lot of fun. So, you know, message us, Facebook, on, on our websites, uh, questions, complaints, gripes, we don't care. We just want to hear from you guys. We'll have you on if, if you seem interesting. So, um, you know, Steve, thanks. Do you have anything you want to plug? No, bye. <laughs> I work for no one. I just buy everything. But I, I, want, to, you know, I want to thank you guys for, for letting me participate in this, and I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I... I really, once you turn me on, Andy, to listen to your podcast, I start going through them, and it, it's, it's nice. It's, it's something, like you said, I go to work now and, and uh, put it on and listen to it. It's just, it, it, you have a lot of things that, that I can relate to, and again, I, I appreciate being a part of this, and I want to thank you greatly for the opportunity. Yeah. So. Steve, man, thanks so much. That was, that, 
Yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. Uh, so talking here tonight, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I guess until next time, uh, uh, good luck fishing and goodbye.